since it's the external solemnity of the Feast of the Holy Rosary, we'll just preach on the po- why this feast is here in the first place. Selim II, the Sultan, the ruler of the Ottoman Empire, was a hopeless drunk. There he sat in Istanbul, wishing that he had an unending supply of his favorite wine, the ruby red wine of Cyprus. It'd be easy enough to capture Cyprus. Beating the infidel dogs was no problem, but unfortunately, there was one small little detail that held him back. Cyprus was a colony of Venice, and unfortunately, Venice and Turkey had made a treaty, a peace treaty, and it had been sworn to on the Koran. So Selim had a little problem. There lay Cyprus, just a few miles off the Turkish coast, and he was bound by Allah to keep the peace. But with Cyprus so close, why should he, the Sultan, pay those Venetians, those idolaters, for the wine that should rightfully be his? So Selim summoned the Grand Mufti and ordered him to come up with a suitable excuse, which would give Selim not only the right, but even the obligation to break the treaty and invade Cyprus. After all, that wine was really rightfully his. So the Grand Mufti dutifully issued a fatwa, a religious edict, pronouncing that irregardless of what treaties may or may not have been made, it was their religious duty to bring any and all land that the Muslims had ever ruled back under the Crescent. And of course, back in 649, Cyprus had been the first European land invaded by the Mohammedans. It was one of those moments where Selim II really felt the crushing weight of his duty as the Sultan. Obviously, since it was the religious duty of all good Mohammedans to reconquer any land they had once ruled, and since Cyprus actually met that bill, it was obvious then that he, Selim II, the Sultan, must attack Cyprus. That's what treaties were for anyway, to give you some breathing room. After Cyprus was conquered, well, why stop there? As long as he's at war with Venice, he might just as well go along and bring them into submission. Besides, when he got right down to it, the wine really was rightfully his. So Selim II, the Sultan of Turkey, placed a degenerate named Lala Mustafa at the head of an army of 100,000 men. He placed Ali Pasha as the admiral of his fleet, and he sent them off to conquer Cyprus and to quickly drive the infidel dogs off that island, which they were unjustly occupying. The invaders landed on Cyprus in July of 1570. Lana Mustafa placed Nicosia under siege, but after he had promised to guarantee the lives of both the Venetian soldiers and the citizens of the town, they surrendered. But he didn't have to tell them the truth, after all. They're infidels. His word was just exactly as good as the treaty. Nearly all the soldiers and civilians were immediately massacred. Well, not immediately. First, they were tortured. Then they were massacred. Mustafa was careful to save the lives of 2,000 young boys and girls. He enslaved them and sent them back to Turkey. The city of Famagusta, ruled by the Venetian knight Mark Antonio Bragadino, was expected to fall as quickly as Nicosia. 
But in spite of the fact that he had only 8,000 soldiers, he held on for almost a year. The defenders were now down to fewer than 2,000 soldiers, and their food and munitions were getting dangerously low when in July of 1571, the Turks finally managed to breach a very large section of the main wall of the city. On August 1st, Bragadino finally agreed to yield under honorable terms. So he yielded to the Turks. Bala Mustafa requested that Bragadino come to meet with him. He did so riding on a Famagusta with his military commander, a young page, and 40 soldiers as an honor guard. Mustafa accused Bragadino of having killed some Turkish prisoners and insisted that the page remain behind as a hostage for reasons that were clear enough to Bragadino. Bragadino pointed out the terms of surrender had already been agreed to and signed, and there had been no mention of any hostages, and so he flat refused to leave his page with Mustafa. Suddenly the Turks seized Bragadino and everyone with him, with the exception of Bragadino and several young boys. All the other Venetians were immediately sliced up and chopped into small pieces. They cut off Bragadino's nose and ears and locked him in a cell. Then the Turks massacred all the Venetian soldiers left in Famagusta, even though the surrender terms specifically stated that they were going to be allowed to return home. After all, they're only infidel dogs. Bragadino was held for two weeks, and on August 17th, Mustafa decided to put on a big show for his troops and all the good citizens of Famagusta. They needed to realize just who they were dealing with. So Bragadino was saddled up like a donkey, loaded up with bags of dirt on his back, and then dragged and kicked around town like an animal. Then he was hauled up on the high spar of a galley so everyone could see what had become of this once proud ruler of Famagusta, this Catholic dog who dared defy Salim II and his general, Lala Mustafa. Then Bragadino was lowered and tied to a post. Lala Mustafa told him what his punishment was going to be. He was sentenced to be skinned alive. Bragadino died during the torture. After he was skinned out, his bloody skin was stuffed with straw, put in a Venetian uniform, and tied astride a cow. While holding a parasol over Bragadino's stuffed skin, the cow was led all around town. Then Mustafa had the stuffed skin of Bragadino hung off the, the, the yard arm of his own galley. It's like some sort of satanic windsock there in the breeze. Then, as a crowning touch to the day, the Turks completely sacked the city and put some 30,000 Christians to the sword with no regard to sex or age. After all, they're only infidel dogs. Meanwhile, during the siege of Famagusta in March of 1571, the great Pope St. Pius V signed the treaty, which, in the first place, brought the Holy League into existence, in the second place, placed the war against the Turks into the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Holy League was a Catholic league. It's a fleet composed of men and ships from four groups, from Spain, from Venice, from the Papal States, and, of course, the great knights of St. John of Malta. If you're wondering what the Papal States were, remember that the Pope was a ruler of a territory which is now central Italy until the Freemasons stole it in the, in the 1800s. Tossed into the fleet of the Holy League was a tiny handful of Frenchmen and Englishmen. Somewhat amazing, given that both Catholic France and Protestant England were allied with the Turks. In fact, they were supplying the Turks with arms. The supreme commander of the Holy League was a 25-year-old half-brother of the King of Spain, Don Juan of Austria. 
Juan's fleet assembled in Messina, Sicily, and they were still unaware of the fall of Famagusta when they sailed out on September 16th with the papal nuncio blessing each ship as it passed out of the harbor. Every man on board was carrying a rosary. Prior to sailing, the men fasted for three days. Confession and Holy Communion was made available. St. Pius V called on the confraternities of the Holy Rosary to pray and then redouble their prayers for a Catholic victory. He asked all of Catholic Europe to pray the rosary for victory. He ordered the monasteries and convents to keep prayer vigils before the Most Blessed Sacrament. In the meantime, after having murdered, raped, pillaged, and burned his way through many of the islands and towns in the Adriatic Sea, Ali Pasha had headed out into the Gulf of Lepanto, it's now known as the Gulf of Corinth, and he was preparing to winter his fleet of nearly 300 galleys, which carried 35,000 soldiers and 13,000 galley slaves. An Algerian pirate then told him of the gathering of this Catholic fleet in Sicily, so Ali Pasha hurriedly sent the message to the sultan asking for instructions. Selim II replied that if the fleet of infidel dogs should come anywhere within range, Ali Pasha should fight it. Galley warfare is essentially a floating version of a land battle. The essential tactics are ramming and then boarding, and the main purpose of the troops is to board and capture the enemy vessels. On the 208 galleys of the Holy League, Don Juan commanded 30,000 soldiers and nearly 13,000 sailors. They were armed with swords, pikes, muskets, blunderbusses, crossbows, and bows and arrows. Every galley had a chaplain, sometimes two. These were usually Jesuits, Dominicans, or Franciscans. Don Juan sent out a knight of St. John with four galleys to locate Ali Pasha's fleet. On September 28th, the knight reported that the Turks had gone to Lepanto to prepare for the winter. The Admiral Andrea Doria suggested that the leaders of the Catholic fleet meet in council to decide what action to take. Don Juan replied, the time for council is past. The time to fight is now. On October 5th, the Venetian ship brought word to the fleet of the Holy League that Famagusta had fallen, that had been completely pillaged, that all the soldiers and most of the citizens had been put to the sword, and that Bragadino had been skinned alive. The news spread like wildfire throughout the fleet, and the men were filled with helpless rage and anguish and overwhelming desire to avenge their comrades. Some of the men had men, some of the men had friends or relatives that had fallen at Famagusta. In fact, the two largest and most heavily armed warships in the Holy League fleet were commanded by two of Bragadino's own brothers. At 2 a.m. on October 7, 1571, a favorable wind sprang up, which enabled the Catholic fleet to sail into the Gulf. Don Juan flew the blue flag with the figure of the crucified Christ and had a banner of Our Lady of Guadalupe on his ship. At dawn, the priest said Mass and then gave a general absolution to all the men on board. And they formed up the ships in a formation like a cross. Don Juan moved in a launch from ship to ship, holding up a crucifix and encouraging his men, telling them, We are here to conquer or die. In death or in victory, you will win immortality. The Turkish fleet emerged, stretched out in a battle line some three miles in length, taking its typical battle formation like a crescent moon. Over Ali Pasha's flagship grew the, flew the green banner of Muhammad, inscribed with the name of Allah, written 28,900 times in gold letters. The Turks made a great noise with gongs, cymbals, conches, and yells. 
the Christians rode forward with a battle cry, Famagusta, Famagusta, Famagusta. Two flagships rammed into each other. The gunners and archers on both ships fired volleys, and Don Juan, with his sword held high, led the charge onto the deck of Ali Pasha's flagship. All around, the battle raged furiously. The Catholics kept crying out, Famagusta, 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 and fighting with incredible ferocity. The battle for the flagship took two full hours. Ali Pasha was wounded by a shot and fell down. A Spanish soldier from the boarding party jumped on top of him, pulled pulled out his knife and cut off his head. He rushed it over to Don Juan who said, what can I do with that? Throw it in the sea. Another sailor fished it out and stuck it on the end of a lance. The green flag with the crescent moon and 28,900 names of Allah came down and the completely unscathed blue banner of Christ crucified was run up on the Turkish flagship. Within three hours of hand-to-hand combat, the waters of the Gulf for miles around were literally red from the bloodshed and the sea was strewn with the dead bodies of the more than 25,000 Turks that were killed, as well as the 7,500 dead Catholics. The Catholics captured 10,000 Turks and freed 12,000 galley slaves. The entire right wing of the Turkish fleet had been completely destroyed. Not one galley escaped. The battle was over by mid-afternoon. Since there were signs of approaching bad weather, Don Juan ordered his fleet to regroup, even though many galleys of the Holy League were still chasing the few escaping Turkish vessels. Of the 330 Turkish ships, fewer than 50 managed to escape, and most of these were burnt because they could not be made sufficiently seaworthy for further use. 117 Muslim galleys were captured intact, and all the rest were sunk or destroyed after they had been run ashore by the fleeing Turks. At the very hour of victory at Lepanto, Pope St. Pius V was in the midst of a meeting with his treasurer when he suddenly rose to his feet and opened the window. Pausing for a moment, he said, This is not the time for business. Make haste to thank God, because our fleet this moment has won a victory over the Turks. On October 21st, the first written reports reached Rome. The Pope shed tears of joy and repeated to God the words of Simeon, the Noctimittis. Now thus dost dost dismiss thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory for thy people Israel. That Sunday he celebrated a mass of thanksgiving in St. Peter's Basilica, and later he designated October 7th, the day of the Battle of the Panto, as a feast day in honor of Our Lady. Thanksgiving for that great victory. Today, we're celebrating the external solemnity of this great feast, a victory obtained by the Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and her warriors. And Selim II, whatever became of him. In 1574, after sucking down a whole bottle of that red cypress wine, Selim II, the Sultan, the ruler of the Ottoman Empire, fell down drunk in his bathroom and fractured his skull and died. Another serpent's head crushed.